You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about my growler, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, my friend, my colleague, the only podcaster to appear in Bleacher Nation's <laughs> One Nation, One Team World Cup celebration graphic. It's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. I, I, I legitimately don't get that reference. Uh, but did, you not, I, did you not see that picture that floated around after the World Cup that Bleacher Report uh, tweeted? No. No. It was like a highly stylized photo of the U.S. women's national team, which makes oh, sense. Yeah, they 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 won a lot. They, they <laughs> but won then the whole, behind the whole them dang thing was like three or four additional rows of just random pop culture American ephemera. Um, so like the cast of Modern Family, oh, some of the cast of Friends, oh, <laughs> The Rock, which you know I'm fine right? with that one. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure a guy from Limp Biscuit. I don't know. Some of them weren't very good drawings, uh, but it was <laughs> Fred it Durst. Was, Fred Durst cameoed in the U.S. Women's World I Cup I, picture. I, I don't know. I don't this, know. But I'm, it was hashtag. I, I think the I, I think what they were going for was to say like this is America. And oh I think God, that, I don't want anything Limp Biscuit on America. I don't know if it was from Limp Biscuit or not, but but the, there this was just a lot of on. there was a lot of people that had nothing to do with the United States women's national team winning the World Cup. I would, in fact, I would say that a vast majority of them had literally nothing to do with it. Well, I would imagine um, all of them, though, Ian, don't yeah. get drunk on an airplane. Well, They don't celebrate outside the <laughs> locker room. Sh- I'm sure lots of those people get drunk on airplanes and uh, many other places. No, no, no. Uh, it's just it's unclassy uh, women that do it, and that's predominantly oh, no. all... Did that, all yeah. did that happen today? Yeah, that, that, uh, that happened today. So that that's another cool thing to to rag on, you know, like the best team in the world. Uh, I'm so annoyed. Uh, anyway, that tweet was roundly mocked for about 15 minutes. I've never seen a tweet so mercilessly savaged, and it was deleted. <laughs> but uh, it lives on in our memory. I'll, I'll find a copy of it so you can see it. Please, yeah, nothing's um, nothing's gone forever. So let's start with the good news. Our United States women's national team got drunk on a plane. Because? They did because they won a World Cup. Again. Yeah. Number four, baby. Number four. Four stars. Back to back. Do you know how hard it is to win four World Cups, Harrison? uh, You know, Brazil is like, it's easy, right? Maybe. Maybe Brazil thinks it's easy. Maybe they don't think. Maybe they were like, you know what? That was hard. You know what? You know who who probably looks down on it is like England. They're like, we won one once. Yep. Two, <laughs> four. Yeah. Keep it classy, America. God, the, the Yanks are at it again. Boy, I I don't want to be like so anti. The English have really upset me in the last two weeks. 
we were gonna do it. We were doing that pre-podcast. I'm sorry I do that, and I, I still, I still, uh, still stirred savage, that drink. Savage the English. Um, no, no, it's it, incredible. It's incredible. And listen, like I know that a lot of people will say, "Oh, they were favorites." It doesn't matter. That, you still got to do it. Like lots of favorites don't win well, things. They're favorite to win. Here's the thing: if you're at the start of a World Cup and you're like, "Hey." I'm going to give you the field or this one team. And it doesn't matter whether it's the Women's World Cup that has, what, 24 teams versus the the Men's World Cup that has more. You you would almost always take the field. Like, always there's take no, the field. No question. Because anything can go wrong. Unless you're talking about the U.S. Women's National Team, who is, let's just face it, they are so much better than their opponents. And, and I, I don't try to be... Um, nationalistic about this opinion they just are very very talented team and they played a very um i don't want to say talently condensed but i don't feel like and matt doyle and you know bobby warshaw and a couple of the guys uh have hit on this point so i won't belabor it but they still didn't play to their potential and they won a world cup you know what there were some close calls there is some there were some penalties legitimately you know, and like, that's going to happen. And like, I don't remember seeing any penalty calls where I was like, that shouldn't have been a penalty. No. Um, you, you know what? There, I, I, was, I was in my office watching uh, the game, and I couldn't believe that at first England didn't get the penalty. Like, I, I thought for sure. I, I saw it. I could see yeah. it on the replay. Um, yeah. I, even though... They got a little bit lucky, and they did. They, but anytime you win a championship, you can point. Lucky. You can point to the Golden State Warriors. You can point to the Toronto Raptors. You can point to the New England Patriots. Name you can point other to champions, Harrison. Name any, more champions. Well, any any team. It, it, I mean, go back to American sports uh, MLS and say Atlanta. Atlanta got lucky. Look at all those penalties that they had at certain points of their season. Teams get lucky, and that's okay. Portland got lucky. The Colorado Rapids got lucky. Oh yeah, definitely. 2011. The Seattle Sounders got lucky. You always get there's always luck involved in these sorts of things. It's absolutely. It's a cagey game. Sometimes it's a moment of luck. But on the whole, the United States Women's National Team were the best team in that tournament, Mm -hmm. unquestionably. Very Um, much so. And very much deserved winners. And you know what else? A star is born, Harrison. Rose Lavelle. I'm sorry. What? Yes, a star was born. Not Megan Rapinoe, who's already a mega star and should oh, yeah. be, and deservedly she, so. She's a rock star. The best, but a new star, Rose Lavelle, a player I now love. Very much. On the big Very stage, much. the biggest of stages. Look, the left look, foot. It, it, Put it away. She, she still has stuff that she can. What makes it so exciting is she had difficulty turning and going in open play. Uh, numerous times but it only takes one it only mm-hmm. takes that one time she bypassed three maybe four midfielders uh and central defenders to get that shot off you knew it was going in well before she shot it she knew it too she just had that stride it was it was a goal a star was born i know nwsl fans out there are like mm, no she was a star before that yeah and that's fine that's fine but we didn't know because we weren't paying attention that's on us that's on us. I'm going to try to do a better job of paying attention now. Uh, I, you know what? Uh, the I think for the past six months, the the internal, the a constant theme in 
uh, ASA Slack is how do we do NWSL uh, stats and how we get them on the interactive graph. And that is something we are actively working. So if and anybody answer, listens, thus listens, far we're we can't. <laughs> We cannot do right. <laughs> well, so, it, there's a lot. There's a lot. So don't think that it's going to be tomorrow. That we're no. going to unleash this, because right now the answer is that well, you can't. So, but we're working. We're we are working a couple different angles. We're so. actively brainstorming ways that we can bring Americans. We can bring the women's game, the superior of games, it seems in our country, into the American soccer analysis fold. Congratulations to the United States Women's National Team. I know they all listen. Big fans of Harrison's. Um, they have no idea who I am. They don't care. They, they're bigger fans of yours, trust me. Probably. Uh, uh, congratulations. It's incredible. It's wonderful. Uh, proud to be an American for these for this one occasion. Um, it's cool. It's it, 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 every every four years they do it. They just bring the country together just a little bit, and it, it's it's great. And. Um, so yes, uh, that was that was that was quite an, uh, an amazing ride, and I'm I'm sad that this World Cup has ended, um, and, and and looking forward to paying more attention to NWSL um, in the coming weeks and months ahead. Uh, now then, on to the other side of that coin. The Gold Cup is over with a less happy result. Um, the United States men's national team, of course, did go to the final, uh, where ultimately they were vanquished by Jonathan Dos Santos. The Mexican national team won to zero. Um, I don't... Uh, <laughs> I always say this before we ever... I don't care about any of this, because uh, it's just the Gold Cup. I don't care about it, but... what? It seemed okay, right? It was fine. I mean, if you had said before the tournament that the United States men's national team is going to go all the way to the final and they're going to lose one nothing to Mexico, I'd probably have been like, yeah, cool, that works. Well, and not only that, but they got better throughout the tournament. Yeah, I, I think th so. I, I think that's fair to say, uh, at least from my eyes perspective and from my opinion, I thought they got better and I thought they had a fine final. In fact, honestly, if you didn't watch the second half um, – you, you, that first half in and of itself was more than what you could probably have asked because while Tata Martino made some, came out in the second half and made some really great changes and definitely Mexico stepped it up, that first half just had them just stuck. And, and you know what? Uh, I think that's fantastic. I think that's a, I think too many people miss what happened in the first half and get kind of stuck on what happened and what transpired over the course of, you know, about 30 minutes in that second half. And, and realistically, um, I mean, th there's, there's a couple different renditions of that to where Mexico don't make it out. Yeah. This isn't, this wasn't a game that Mexico just dominated. This wasn't a game where the U S looked like it. I see a lot of, like takes right now that are like, oh, the U.S. So they're still two levels behind Mexico, and it was Mexico's B team, and eh, yeah. But I mean, they weren't dominant. It was a one nothing game. It was a, a a very low percentage goal, a difficult shot. All credit to 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 Mr. Dos Santos. Um, but like, it it wasn't. I mean, like the U.S. could have had a couple goals in the first half. It, 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 you play that game again ten times, and I don't think Mexico wins at nine. No, I, 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 I agree. Um, you only get to play it once, though, so 
they they won the one that matters. Well, and that's but, and but that's the takeaway, right? Is um, a tournaments are crazy. We just talked about how you need luck to win, and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mexico got that luck, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that doesn't invalidate what the U.S. and what Greg Berhalter was doing. I think there's definite improvements that we can make. Um, but there's no reason not to be a little bit more positive than when we started. I think anyone looking for for negatives or, or comes up with negatives is looking for them, and I think that they're looking to stay negative about this. Um, and and I, you know, I understand that That's with fine. some of the different things that are out there. But you have to understand where that source is coming from, right? Like you yeah. have to understand that those people are going to be overtly negative, probably regardless. The U.S. could have beat Mexico, and there would still be negatives. Yes. And I understand it. There was a lot of maybe undeserved optimism towards the team in years past. And maybe we, we as a nation, as a soccer watching nation, are overcorrecting a bit. And that's fine. I understand. And, and honestly, like, until the team kind of writes what happened, you know, uh, with the last World Cup, you know, I, I think that that cynicism is, is earned. And they know that. They know that, like, that has to be. Um, amended in some way before we can really kind of be totally healed <laughs> as a soccer nation maybe um, i like how you're specifically like you're airing out your wounds right now and i, I love that well I, yeah sure i mean i this is yes yeah sure i mean that, that that is kind of how i feel i am i am going to look at this team with cynicism um no and i, I i'm not being critical of you <clears throat> yes. i think that that like we are two different people in terms of mm-hmm. how we view this and so and i like hearing the cynicism from you. I yeah. like hearing that side of the coin because that doesn't go on necessarily in my own mind. Um, yeah. and, and so hearing the opposite effect, that's what other fans are feeling. And, and you're absolutely right. And it, in, in a lot of cases it is warranted. And so, um, I, I, d- I am a rather positive person and happy, you know, that how things turned out. Um, but there are things that we also have to look through a different way. So, I wasn't trying to be critical of, of your perspective. No, no, no. Of course, yeah. It's we've had this conversation offline many times, um, as well. So <laughs> I think we know where we stand on it. But but certainly, uh, I saw things I liked. Um, I saw things that I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Um, and I guess it's hard to sort of be patient at the same time. And it's hard to understand that. And I kind of have to take this approach where it's like, all right, look, I'm not going to be happy until they're back in a world cup again and competing. So like, I don't need to like check my feelings temperature, like after every competition between now and then, because it's ultimately not going to ever be enough for me. Do you know what I mean? No, that's, and, and I think that (laughs) I don't think you're alone, right? Like until until we're back and and things are normal right we're playing yeah. in that world cup we're in Qatar or Qatar or whatever however you want to pronounce it um, man after my own heart uh so yes. that that has to be normalized yeah um but 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 that being said i thought we got some interesting looks at some uh new players tyler boyd is an intriguing prospect i guess um you know i i think that we get to argue about the best ways to use Christian Pulisic going forward. That'll be a fun yeah, we, ending conversation for we, we have a question in the mailbag about we that. Got to, we got to see uh, that Tyler Adams is very important to the team. Um, people that were like, done with Josie, maybe? So, maybe, maybe. I, I think they're more maybe done with it, with with Josie Zardes. But, um, so, yeah. number one, Tyler Adams is critical because there's nobody in midfield. In fact, I, I'm 
90% positive there's nobody in midfield within this current pool that we'd want to play that's a ball winner. Isn't Michael Bradley supposed to be a ball winner? I mean, he, when has he ever been a ball winner, though? Like, well, he's he's the king of recoveries. Count, we talked about recoveries as no, winning the ball? No. Well, then, no, he's not a ball winner. No, I mean, that's but that's what Tyler Adams, you know, he's, he's a hunting. a ball winner. In MLS. Yeah. Like, he had a couple of really good moments against Mexico, but, yeah. again, he was out wide, and... Uh, Total Soccer Show had a really good rundown on whether or not he should have been wide or whether he should have been up top and more in the midfield. Um, it sounds like Burhalter wanted him more centrally. Uh, yeah, when he gets in there, I think he's more of a six than he is a ten. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but that's a weird that's a weird situation in and of itself. Like Roldan keeps being pushed higher up the field, and I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think and we should have Tyler. this. This yeah, conversation later, Adams, though, and that's Tyler Adams' spot anyway. I mean, yes, we're essentially like at, at Roald Dan's most wildly successful. He's going to be Adams' backup in that position or that role, because um, that's just what what it is. Um, well, and Tyler Adams can hunt, search, and destroy. He's more of a ball hawk. Yes, is what you're saying. Yeah. And, well, and that's, that's, true. That, that's true. That's something that Michael Bradley isn't anymore. Beforehand, he would he would hunt and find and he would you know he would um shuttle players to those opposite sides you know to the to the fullback zones um and the wide position and then he would you know man mark certain people of importance but i mean he really isn't doing that very well anymore he doesn't have the range he doesn't have the mobility that's not to say he's not important you know i i, I tweeted out like last week i think it was in during the jamaica game he's still a critical piece to this but it's it's a different Michael Bradley than before, and he's not vital for every game. You're going to have to assess the matchups, and you're going to have to figure out where he fits. And I agree with you. Tyler Adams is kind of the future of that role. Yeah. So we'll see going forward. Um, I, I think this is a, a good step. Um, it, it, it certainly is just a... Uh, uh, it's the primer of a recode of paint, if, if even that much. But, but it, it's there. It's something. This was not, I don't think, a setback, another setback for the U.S. men's national team. And so um, I'm going to choose for this one instance to be slightly less cynical and be like, it's fine. Good job. Six of ten. Um, <laughs> let's move on to uh, uh, MLS stuff because we love Major League Soccer here. That's what we mostly talk about. Uh, you put down, oh, we have some transactions that we did not cover last week. Uh, Edwin Giassi to FC Dallas. I don't know anything about Edwin Giassi. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems to be, you know, an interesting winger. Uh, he's yeah. on the youngish side, but he's coming on loan. Uh, CSKA, uh, you know, Russian team, they, they seem kind of interesting um, yeah. in how they've done some roster construction recently. And yeah. it's kind of interesting that FC Dallas preyed upon uh, some of the uh, maybe some of those players that they're they're trying to offload. So yeah. uh, this could be a really great opportunity, or um, you know, I, I guess we'll kind of see. I think this is more of a work in progress, trying to yeah. fill a need. Uh, yeah, in I depth issue. I understand Dallas looking for help out wide, though. I mean, that that makes this makes sense to me on paper in theory. Yeah, I just don't know much about the specific player. So. No, uh, good good job there, FC Dallas. Uh, Columbus Crew, acquire Romario Williams from Atlanta. That was an odd one. Um, I don't really, I know you're, 
because like of, I would does he go ahead or of, of yeah. or behind Patrick Mullins no, in the depth chart? I guess he goes ahead. I, I mean, they didn't make this move to put him behind Mullins. Uh, right. That's the reality, right? Yeah. Um, they're not going to play a four four two. They're they're still pretty. They seem pretty set to still stay in that four two three one for uh, Caleb Porter. So. Um, yeah, I think Williams is going to be a like for like for Zardes. Um, yeah. I, I don't think Mullins, from everything I've heard, uh, they've had several situations to where they've been shopping Mullins around um, this year, um, and they just haven't found the right uh, deal slash uh, window to do that. So, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Somebody will take a bite. Somebody will take a bite. You would have thought you would have thought Seattle might have taken a bite on one of these guys, and then more Williams if he was being offered. Um, you know, with their striker situation, what it is at the moment, uh, but they seem to have gone with that. Well, uh, the 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 issue was it was just a bad timing, right? Because yeah, right. At the time, Columbus didn't have very much in the way they had JJ Williams, and that was it. And I don't think they wanted to empty their striker. Their you know, they already were dealing with uh, depth problems as it was. Yeah. Um, they didn't want to you know offload uh, Mullins when. You know, they already had <laughs> uh, depth issues, so. Right. Uh, they also added uh, Costa Rican midfielder Luis Diaz to a young DP deal. Um, another winger. Just, just another winger, yep. Uh, just wingers, man. I don't know anything about these wingers. I'm sure they're all fast and good. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting. He's a young, uh, young player that, uh, I mean, he's going to give him some pace out wide it's interesting i don't think this is a this year type move especially with a calm but uh i i think that it will definitely be um give them a little bit of depth they haven't had quality depth That's, and so that could yeah that could I be agree. a plus for them yeah sure uh this is an interesting one white caps complete ali adnan signing to a designated player contract um yeah we went back and forth of this online, didn't we? Yeah, we, we disagree on this say. one a little bit. Um, I, if it's just if it's just accounting, it's fine. It is what it is. Like if they're not going to use that money this year, otherwise, why not? Well, see, um, I, I agree with that. If it, if it is just accounting, yeah, it's fine. Um, I, I think he's not probably more likely on a TAM deal than he is above the TAM threshold. Yeah, he was at 550 before this, so I can't imagine he went that much higher. I imagine he did get some bump, uh, but I think it's probably still going to be in that buy-downable range, uh, which is good because I think Vancouver need that help in other areas more than they do at left back. Um, well, and then there's also that the fact that there's probably a transfer fee associated with it, right? I'm not sure. I'm not Cause sure he was how on, that worked Because he yeah. was on a loan, so I assume that there is a transfer fee that's, that's included, probably, which pushes this into being a DP deal that more than the deal. anything. Yeah. Um, I like Ali Adnan. I mean, he's fun to watch. Like, that can't be denied at all, uh, certainly. Um, you know, his, his stats are... Underwhelming. They're not, they're not great. I mean, like, he, he he gets forward a lot. He, he shoots the ball a lot for, for, for a left back, and that's that's interesting. And I know that they kind of see him as more of, like, this sort of creative left back, kind of akin to, you know, how, like, they use, like, Marcelo back at Real Madrid at times. Um, but he's not, like, great at passing. He's not really good at holding on to the ball. Um, he's not really generating any... XA, uh, you know, Vancouver's really, really bad at creating chances right now. Like, they're the the lowest, like, XG in, in the conference. So I, I don't know precisely, like, 
that this immediately fixes any needs. And I mean, obviously it doesn't improve because they already had it. So I, it, it's a weird deal to me, but again, it could just be accounting. And if it's just accounting, it's fine. So uh, I, I, looking at it from the uh, perspective of like dummy runs, uh, stuff that he did, you know, his stuff is, is, you know, on the better half of sides, right? I don't know if he's a top five fullback. And that was kind of where I was stuck with it. Um, like you, I kind of was like, this is fine if this is just an accounting thing. Um, but yeah, you, you threw out a really good point. Um, they're not creating a lot of opportunities and being the fact that he's the one, you know, uh, he seems to have the ball the most. Well, <laughs> it's not just that he seems, he absolutely does. And so, you know, the, the attack seems to flow through him and, and that's not necessarily to say that his service is bad. Although, you know, X passing kind of does indicate that he has had both problems holding onto the ball and distributing a little bit. Um, but I think that it's also the fact that, you know, maybe they haven't sunk quality wise right um we've had some issues in terms of how they're trying to create chances and i think yeah. that it's been a little ineffective in the first half um that being said their defense has gotten a lot better over the course of the season and i think that's something to kind of watch as well right yeah it's a it's, it's definitely a move probably with maybe an eye on the next year something to kind of build around him a little more maybe give him some more options i'm not going to act like he has you know the best pieces in the world surrounding him um but uh, I certainly don't. I, I don't think that we can just dismiss some of the statistical concerns out of hand for that Agreed. reason either. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, it is what it is. Uh, we, we wish him the best of luck. Like I said, he is a lot of fun to watch. So I'm going to enjoy seeing him play every week. Um, uh, also in Canada, Toronto FC signed Venezuelan winger Erickson Gallardo. This one went down today. Uh, <laughs> they didn't intend to sign this guy, I guess, or they, they weren't looking at this guy. It was they an just, accident. They were scouting someone else, and they said, like, hey, we like that guy. Uh, another smaller man. I think he's five two. Uh, Toronto likes to pull those uh, smaller players, and uh, they've had kind of a mixed bag with that on that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, cool. That sounds great. Maybe he's going to be awesome. Just yeah. another winger. No, yeah, and, uh, yet another winger that you know. There's there's kind of a not a lot about uh, Venezuelans. Uh, definitely kind of has been a up and coming uh, international organization the last. Uh, a uh, couple times I felt like they did kind of good in Copa. Maybe not. Maybe I'm misremembering. Or well, they just beat us. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think. Oh, they beat Argentina. Uh, Argentina. They, uh, they're, uh, yeah. I mean, I looked at his numbers in Venezuela a bit, and they're fine. Like, there's nothing special that jumps out. But he's still on the younger side, so it's. I think it's very much um, one of these deals that's uh, a bit of a. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's a prospect, is what it is. Mm. We'll we'll see soon enough hey, if, if you can kind of flow into this offense at all. I, I think Pozuelo definitely needs some help if Josie's going to be um, missing. Uh, you know, but uh, if they get a really if they get a great winger out of the deal, like it's not like they didn't they don't have room for that on their team. Well, I mean, anytime you can a player that beats Messi, I mean that's there you go. You Argentina, I mean, you hey, do it. Do you it. Uh, our last news bulletin here, Josh Wolfram would be headed to Austin as a head coach. I like that. I like that hire a lot. I think Correction. Uh, Argentina beat Venezuela. Um that <laughs> I, sorry. <laughs> Venezuela beat them like three months ago, but uh yeah. Argentina beat them in the quarterfinals, so that's well, all that matters. You, sorry. Josh Wolf, yes. Josh Wolf uh seems like a really good hire. It's kinda awkward 
and this is kind of like the social media spin and i'm sure you have more narrative on it it's kind of weird that he was a columbus assistant coach yeah. left to go to the national team and now is right. going to austin yeah after that whole debacle but um you kind know, of feels lackey-ish i don't think that anyone's gonna begrudge him taking a head coaching job though at least i, I mean I would hope Columbus fans don't begrudge him. I'm definitely giving him a side eye. Like I, I have no, like I have nothing. Like there's nothing that makes me think anything about Josh Wolf, and yeah. even I'm giving him a side eye on this. Like so, yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't blame a Columbus Crew fan for kind of feeling a little awkward about this. Yeah, if you if you begrudge him, send 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 those comments to Harrison, um, and you can tabulate them for me and just give me a summary of how how much you guys begrudge it. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, the meat of our show this week is uh, something we've done every year since we started this program one year ago. Uh, so it's an annual tradition dating back a year. Uh, but uh, it's that time. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, but one of our listeners, UT Karen, uh, asked that, that we uh, do a more in-depth one this year. And we didn't really have much else to do today. So we said, you know, what the heck? Let's do an all-star episode. Um, this year, uh, we, we each took a conference, uh, Harrison took the East and I took the West, which means that I had the much easier job. Uh, so I thank Harrison for that. <laughs> and it was not uh, easy. <laughs> why don't we start, uh, why don't we start with you and let's, uh, let's just say that, that let's take our, uh, we're going to, we're going to run a four, four, two, right? Is that what we agreed? Four, yeah, four, two, four, seven four, two. subs. And uh, we're going to give our years uh, best thus far. This is not like a – this is just talking about this. At least in my case, this is just talking about this first half of this season. Yeah, uh, I definitely didn't wait anything else uh, into um – and to be perfectly honest, I, I look specifically for attacking players, how they performed in the attack. Um, uh, this isn't how good of a team – actually making a team. I tried to make a team at first and then found that that was really not that functional. Mm -hmm. um, although it, it's a little bit. so uh, It's my kind starting, of a fun exercise, but it makes for a confusing list sometimes. I it, think. it does. So my starting forwards are Joseph and Wayne Rooney, um, which – I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, both from the Eastern Conference uh, are both leaders in XG. Uh, so, I mean, that's yeah. leader one uh, and leader one B, right? So um, it, they're both really good. They've both been good all season. Um, Rooney's a little weird in that he's kind of keeps getting these red card scenarios, right? Uh, I know he had it rescinded to a yellow card against Dallas, but still, um, yeah, he sometimes kind of loses his head a little bit. Um, and, and that's surprising because you would expect that his age, like he's, he w should have learned already and kind of reined <laughs> if, it if in. If you spent any time following his career in England, you would know that this is not at all surprising. No, it, it, well, okay, so <laughs> I, I, I know this, yes. like, right? Like I do, but you, you would have like, thought he would have mellowed out or matured at some point. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I, this move would have been like, all right, I'm going to chill a little bit more in MLS, but he's a competitor. That's, that's kind of what makes him great. No, I agree. Um, so my wingers uh, on the left mid, I kind of mm -hmm. cheated here. I, I used Nani. And look, I know Nani's kind of been played up top a little bit. He's also kind of been used as a left wing. He's also been used as like a, as a 10 at times. So um, look, he's been really good for Orlando. Uh, it, it just best fit to put him out there on the left. Um, yeah. I didn't feel like there was really anybody else that he was eclipsing. 
Um, there's probably a couple others that are worth uh, mentioning and I can kind of get into that a little bit later, but, um, yeah, that's what I did. And then on the right, um, for me, I don't think there's anybody that's been better on the right than Alexander Katai. You know, it's funny is I remember last year I put him on my all-star team and you were like tut-tutting at me. So maybe I was just ahead of my time. Yeah, well, and I think that's that's very possible, right? Like yeah. his expected assists have been really good. He leads uh, the Eastern Conference in expected assists. He's he, been outstanding. I yeah, think he's that been. he's the reason why uh, Nikolic has is, is been as 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 good as he is. In fact, to be perfectly honest, uh, uh, Nikolic leads uh, is in front of Rooney on xg per 96 yeah so well and we saw nicolich really slow down last year um you know after he came out kind of blazing in his first season and won a golden boot and then last year was sort of he lost a calm and that that connection was really fruitful for chicago and that in what 2017 yeah um you know and i don't know that katai had yet fully formed that but now here in 2019 which is the year we're in i believe uh yeah, it, it looks is. like that connection is is actually solid, starting to solidify and bear some fruit. Yeah, I mean, look, you could probably shout out like uh, Pedro Santos on the right side. You can probably mm-hmm. shout out like uh, Julian Gressel. Um, Julian, a lot Gressel, of people, I, yeah, would really like you to do that. Uh, I I really like Ju- Julian Gressel. Uh, he, it, it, this is it's kind of hard when you start talking about these guys that aren't necessarily. Um, they're impact players, but they're not necessarily making an impact uh, on the scoreline every single time they go down. So yeah. if I leave, you know, Wayne Rooney off to have Julian Gressel or I leave Katai off to, to add Julian Gressel, um, I think that's a fair argument. Um, I just went with basically um, the heavier uh, eyeball stats, right? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I got no issues with this. So, uh, and then I know you won't have any, well, at least I don't assume you'll have any uh, issues with having uh, uh, Alejandro uh, Puzuelo at Mm. uh, center midfielder. Yes. No, you're fine with that? Yes, quite fine. You're going to fight me on that? No, 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 no. Big fan of of Alejandro Puzuelo. And then uh, MLS uh, Player of the Month, uh, Maxi Morales, as the other uh, central midfielder. He's been outstanding, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... Those are, those are sort of picked themselves, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard. Uh, it, it's really, really hard to find and, and to justify a different front six for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. These, are, no, these guys have all been really good. And uh, like Katai, I'm sure you could probably make another argument for a couple other players. But for me, it was Katai. I don't think there's yeah. rationally. No, I would not have picked anybody different thus far. No, the back four. This is where this is always where opinions tend to to that well, way. Fact, there's just less that we have less to work with in our data on defenders. Absolutely, that's just a fact. And yeah. so I looked at a lot of different things, and basically mm-hmm. I chose the names that just came up the fre- most frequently. Right mm-hmm. on left back, um, I don't think that there's a better left back in the Eastern Conference right now than Justin Morrow. I mean, consistently he yeah. is always there. Uh, West Coast, there's there's probably about three or four that yeah, you could you, you could realistically argue over more. I think but. I think at his best, maybe Lawrence, uh, but I don't think he's as consistent. Yeah, I don't think he's been as consistent, and I think this year he's had a lot of. Uh, he's a he started the season injured, and B yeah, he uh, had a, had a couple of different um, yeah. international calls. He missed some games, so his numbers just weren't 
weren't there. And to be perfectly honest, Lawrence's numbers never are really there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what Kamar Lawrence does is beyond the score sheet. And I don't feel like that's, I feel like in a way that's a cop out. Yeah. Cause uh, like for years I wanted to see what did Michael Bradley do really well. And it wasn't until we started getting recoveries that it, it made itself uh, self-evident. Yeah, he just gets the ball. He 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 just gets gets the ball a lot, and he's he's a ma- uh, maestro like on the ball too, right? He reads like, the game, yeah. And then that was something that was really hard for us to like sit there and actually quantify um, before you know that. Yeah, like you said before, that was tracked. So and, and again with defenders, a lot of this stuff it's half eyeballs, half stats for me. Um, you look at tackles, but it's only so telling, right? Um, without like the other side of like, all right, but how many did they miss? Like, are they always just running at people and getting sent off? Are they? Uh, actively How? harming their team with their are they Victor Cabrera? <laughs> like if, if we were just right. looking at the best statistic defender, it would be Victor Cabrera. But uh, we all know that he's not the the best defender. Uh, no, we're, I don't sure think we're. Uh, yeah, I think that the jury's still out. We're still trying to figure that one out. Still not. I'm still not convinced that he isn't. <laughs> all right, just tomorrow's good. Uh, what about right back? So right back is. <clears throat> Uh, Raymond Gaddis, uh, and there's probably going to be some consternation about this. Yeah, uh, that one's a. Hmm. So, you look at it from a numbers perspective, both from who helps make the Philadelphia attack work, and obviously there's you know Aris Majudin. Um, there's there's a couple different guys that you could throw in that have done a great job. Raymond Gaddis is kind of a, a transparent player when it comes to that. He's been really good on the ball this year. He's been super good as far as uh, X passing is concerned. He's been really good from a defensive actions perspective, not just in winning. We just talked about, you know, having an you know, uh, increased number isn't necessarily a good thing, but he's consistently winning those opportunities. And yeah. like that for me, um, that's always, if you're going to go out and you're going to challenge for the ball, win it. That's, that's, that's a big thing for me. And then, um, Look, as a right back, you're you're the point guard. Uh, that's kind of how I've a lot of times right backs, left backs, um, and uh, central defensive midfielders. A lot of times, those are the point guards of the teams. That's who we see have uh, the the biggest amount of you know possession for a team, and that's what Gaddis's role is for a Philadelphia team that is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I came down. Uh, I really kind of wanted to go with Tenenholm here. Uh, I wanted to justify it. I couldn't. Um, besides P- saying NYC is the best defensive team in the in the East. Yeah. It, People aren't going to ask you about, so I'm just going to go ahead and ask you, what about Ruan? Ruan's a fair shout, right? Um, there is just some deficiencies in his game, and I don't remember off the top of my head. It just ro- he kind of rolled himself out, like okay. looking at it, and I just kind of, I was like, I, I don't feel like I can have an airtight, you know, when we talk, I always feel like I have to justify to you like, <laughs> what I'm doing, because I feel like I do things squirrely, and I know that this one is is uh is objectively weird. I, I don't. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with this pick at all, and I think it's it's a good spot to, kind of signal a, um respect for what Philadelphia has done. They don't have a lot of people, like individuals that pop off, um, you know, like it's very much a team effort that's made them so good. Um, and so when we look at something like this, uh, maybe you could fit Fafa Picot in some place. Um, 
you know, maybe Bedoya, certainly uh, there's a great case for Madun Janine. Um, but, but all these, like, indi- as individuals um, are great, but, but really, like, it's that cohesiveness as a team that's made them so successful this year. So I, I don't mind finding a good spot right here to, to stick a, a very important player for them, Raymond Gaddis, in that position. So uh, the other two uh, that I have is center backs, Miles Robinson, and then Aaron Long. And, and I don't feel like it's even close uh right now yeah, in the eastern conference yeah, the, both fair. of those guys have been amazing lights out and i know um i kind of wanted to see more than a quarter of <laughs> the year with uh miles robinson yeah, i mean he jumped out right yeah. off the bat you've had a great opening season um i wanted to see something more than three months of him doing well or playing good uh, and he's just gotten consistently better. And I think that it, um, I think a U.S. men's national team uh, shout, especially with coming up with a couple of friendlies um, in September. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him. Yeah. And Aaron Long for me after the Gold Cup. And I, I'm curious to get your perspective. He's center back 1B to me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think there's really a. Yeah, no question. Okay. No question. Uh, goalkeeper. Um, and, and this is kind of a tough one because no one stands out. So I kind of got the there. There's kind of a three way draw, and yeah. um, I picked Bill Hamid because yeah. I love Bill Hamid. And I would have, I would probably have picked Bill Hamid as well. Go ahead, Zach your, Stefan right. haters. Yeah. <laughs> what about your uh, What about your subs? What do you got for subs? Let's run through the subs. So real, real fast, uh, Eris Majudinin, um Sure. Sure. Carl's Gill. Um, yeah. Casper Shabilko, um, mm-hmm. Safir Tider, and then uh, Steve Birnbaum, and then yeah. lastly uh, Michael uh, Murillo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Murillo was one guy I was gonna point out. That's good. Uh, I like the Tiders in there as well. He's kind of an interesting player to me. I, I, I'm fascinated by him. I almost put him over Pozuelo. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know about that. But I, yeah, I know he's... that's I know that's crazy. <laughs> but I. I, I it, one time we'll talk about this. Yeah, you're not gonna find probably a bigger tighter fan than me. So, but but even I'm a woman. I don't know. Uh, all right, I like that team. I think my team will win um, because my team has much better players. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, you you did you just fill out uh, LAFC eleven times? <laughs> I really could have done it. I, there's a very there was an extremely credible case for me just putting all eleven LAFC players. Like I, I really could credibly have made that, but. Uh, I mixed it up a little bit. Uh, so for me, uh, goalkeeper Stefan Fry. Um, it was between him and Tyler Miller. I put Tyler Miller as, as his backup on the bench, but really, like either one of those guys would be great in there. They both had excellent seasons again. Uh, my right back is Romain Metznayer, uh, Minnesota, who I think has been the best right back in the league so far this year. Um, I think he's just been absolutely phenomenal for Minnesota, and and, and just you know really been a big part of that turnaround um left back i went with brad smith this one was a little closer i I think that there were definitely some other choices to make here there but on the whole brad smith's xa uh, just kind of pushed him to the top of that for me i mean he's been he's been one of the top left backs and he's been critical to why uh seattle's probably over 60 uh, overproduced um, yeah yeah for sure their numbers right now um, for center backs, this is the hardest part for me. I went with Ike just because it's always a safe bet, and Ike's been lights out again this year. Yeah, I mean, he's really, really improved that defense in Minnesota so much, and um, 
you know, if you've ever listened to this show, you know that we're both just like tremendous fans of Ike. So uh, I didn't really feel bad about that. Uh, but other choice was definitely the spot I got stuck on the most. Uh, what I wound up doing was going with Diego Polenta of the Galaxy. Um, I, that was a tire fire of a defense last year. And he, I think, has been excellent in making it much, much better, much more calmer. And he's chipped in a lot on XA2, especially from a center back role. Like He's been a lot involved in build-up. Um, I just think he's a really interesting, very, very good player. And, and thus far, I think I'd have to go with him. No, that's a really interesting pick. Uh, can't, I'm not going to poke holes. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> our midfield is just LAFC. Um, outside midfielder one, Carlos Vela, then Atuesta and K in the middle, and Blessing on the other wing. I don't think that there's any arguing this. No. <laughs> I mean, m- maybe, uh, you know, someone else at outside mid, but I, I see you already have him up, up at forward, so I'm not... Yeah, gonna... I kind of moved these two. I could have switched probably these three around a little bit and been okay uh, on it, but but yeah, uh, I, I put Blessing on the outside. Blessing's been outstanding. Uh, it was actually uh, UT Kieran that kind of hit me to like actually go look into how good he's been, and yeah, he's, he's been incredible. Um, not just on attacking, but, but ball winning and recovery. I mean, yeah. Hats off to Blessing. Boy, expansion draft pick. That's got to be one of the best ever. Um, Adewest and K are just lights out. I mean, like, that's your... Uh, there, there are no two players I'd rather have in the middle of the field. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> our other forward is, of course, Lawton, because, you know, what else are you going to do? Um, and then uh, I had Diago Rossi in the other position. But, again, I could have flopped him and Vela or Blessing. Those three kind of work around each other a little bit but i just thought it fit better there i don't mind having him next to that so that that's my starting 11 it is a lot lafc my job was certainly easier than yours um <laughs> uh, for subs uh i have tyler miller uh who i mentioned earlier uh then in san jose i have Kristen espinoza who's been excellent um i think he might be the leader in xa i don't know he's up there uh, he's up he's, there yeah. he's been wonderful for san jose in this whole the San Jose resurgence that's happened, I think, is a lot for him. So I would agree. Uh, I have Ladero as a backup for center midfielder, and Jonathan Dos Santos, both very, very good players um, that, you know, on most years would make the team easily, but can't break through that LAFC thing. Uh, Florian Jungwerth uh, is my uh, other backup center back who has... Uh, boy, remember when he started the year on the bench? We were like, they should probably play Florian Jungwerth, and then they did, and then they got good. I don't think that was we. I think that was really just you. Yeah, well, basically, I. I mean, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll take. I'll, I'll take the zero. Yeah. I'll dunk on basically, myself. Basically, I know. I know more about the earthquakes than Matthias Almeida does. So, um, we're gonna get him to play Luis Fernandez before the end of the year. You watch. Uh, speaking, keeping on that theme, uh, this is sort of a legacy pick as well, but just because uh, Wondolowski has actually been really, really great. He scored a lot of goals. His XG uh, has been per ninety six is awesome. Uh, the man, the man, don't stop, as they say. Um, Certainly, I could have put Minotas there. That was a that was a temptation. Uh, Rui Diaz is someone else that's played very well, but kind of had an sh- injury shortened season. So I tried to keep it to people with a thousand minutes or more. Um, and then my last step would be uh, Albert Elise, who, again, any other non LAFC conference would, would be an easy starter. So yeah, no, that's my I, team. No, it's a it's a good team. There's a couple. There's a couple that I, I would you know swap in and out. But I, I same with my team. There's things that I, I went back and forth with that uh, I know people are going to be uh, you know where's the CJ Sapong you know where, where's yeah, where is where, the CJ Sapong? Oh man, that 
that that hurt. I'm I'm not gonna lie. That that one kind of hurt. So yeah, you know, but, you uh, want to you want to get CJ in there. I, I again like this is a really hard job. Like it's there are so many deserving players. Um, there really are. It's it's even crazy to me that we have an all star game that takes all this talent and cuts it in half again, and they still get it wrong. <laughs> they still get yeah. undeserving people in there. That's. That's that blows my mind. Like when you do this and you realize how many people are deserving, yeah. and then you see who they pick, it drives you even it's crazier. It's hard to get all of the deserving people into thirty-six spots, and then MLS takes it to like twenty-five, and they can't do it. Never trust the fans. The All Star Game is terrible. Hashtag All Star Game is terrible. Uh, all right. Well, let's wind down with some. Uh, listener questions here we got a few minutes uh so we can't take a long time these we'll probably move some of these to next week that are longer uh tyler shots asks is var worth the extra time considering refs still get calls wrong after using it soccer's continuing flow separates it from other sports and now it's losing that um do you mind if i do you mind if i take this do one? this do this brother I, I i don't i like var i i know it, it's weird but i think it's good like it I know what you're talking about. I think Tyler is a Sounders guy, so I'm going to assume that you're kind of referencing the the Leva foul um, as one that they still got wrong. But I think a lot of times when we think they still get it wrong, like we're just so used to those calls not being called be- it, during the normal run of play that when we do see them called, even for like very tiny minimal contact, we think like that's not a penalty because it's never been a penalty before because you wouldn't see it. But now that you can see it, it is a penalty. If you'll allow me to kind of digress on that. Um, all in all, if I say there's any criticism I have of VAR, it's that uh, they've kind of gone into it halfway a little bit with uh, clear and obvious and, like, we only want to use it here and here and here. And I think if you're going to use this technology, you should have somebody in the booth that has just as much authority as the guy on the field. Um, and you should he should be able to make these decisions quickly. And, and um, you know, if you're going to use the technology, you should go whole hog and use it and, and try to be as accurate as possible. Just because it's not 100% perfect doesn't mean we should throw it away. Yeah. No, I you hit it on the hit it on the head there, man. Uh, if I can, Sergeant Major, uh, <laughs> and piggyback on that real fast, and that's yeah. exactly it, right? You, this is this is about making things better, and, and yeah, things aren't aren't there yet, but this the product's gonna get better, and hopefully, it'll get more streamlined, or at least I believe it will get more streamlined as we move forward with it. I mean, you look at every other uh, sports and uh, that has incorporated it; it's gotten better, right? They they've done yeah. a better job with it, and I think that this will. Um, it'll improve as as they go through with it. I mean, what this is year, really year two or year three, really with mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, look, just be patient. Um, I know it's frustrating, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next question comes from uh, Mick G on Twitter, uh, who says this A may be too long for the pod, and or B have been covered some player already. But what is the statistically optimal amount of squad rotation for maximizing points in three game weeks, five game fortnights? Well, let me. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know? You, uh, you know, I think that I, I actually think someone wrote a piece on this a few years yeah. ago. Um, <coughs> I did. I, I, didn't bother to go through and i think the the discussion that we kind of had at the end is that that it rotation is something that's going to be um based upon your team so yeah, it's different I don't think there's with, like a rule of thumb that's going to apply to every single no sport. it's going to be more art than it is science and even then i mean how you do rotation from like 
the Mexican national team and you know because that's a big thing with uh, Tata Martino right now is you know he was getting kind of obliterated because he didn't do a lot of rotation especially you know coming off a, a you know a national team coach that did a ton with uh, Juan Carlos Osorio uh, who did like rotation all the time and then you have you know Portland Timbers uh, Seattle Sounders you know San Jose who um, they're going to all have different ways that they rotate and you know, some of those positions are going to be more oriented to tactical decisions based on who they're playing. And then also um, it's going to be about who's healthy. And so it's going to be um, it's going to be more art than it is science. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's a very good question. But like I said, I don't think there's one answer that, that kind of fits all. Um, so I'm just going to say that the correct answer is you should do some rotation. Uh, thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for the question. I wish we could do a better job of that there. Uh, all right. Well, we got time for maybe one or two more, uh, long-term. This is, we have a question from Cure Doyle. Uh, long-term, does Pulisic's profile develop as a 10 versus a winger? Plugging my opinion, he literally cannot play in midfield and 3G is wasting everyone's time with it. I don't know what that last part means, but, well, it's uh, supposed to be triple G, dude. I, I like 3G. We're going to use 3G. Okay. You do, you do you. Uh, so Harrison, do you see him profile development? So yeah, you don't like you don't you don't like the idea of putting Pulisic out, out on the wings because you want him to have more of the ball, right? Um, That's the basic idea behind it. I, I kind of like. I mean, I know it's more Pulisic. involved. Yeah, I like the idea of Pulisic kind of doing like what say Lodero does for Seattle, which is nominally central, but he's gonna do whatever he wants. Yeah, and look. Um, I I totally get the idea of putting him wide. I think against Mexico, it would have been really smart to put him wide because he was getting, especially in the se- uh, second half, he was kind of man-marked out of the game, uh, at least to begin the second half. And it became really difficult for him to find opportunities to get on the ball. And at that point in time, um, especially with the way that uh, Mexico had countered um, that not press, but uh, their passing routes cut off into the midfield. They were going over the top and basically mm-hmm. trying to win those second balls, and they were winning them. It made sense to maybe keep Pulisic up top so that we could play direct. Um, and, and I think that that's something that we – I think it's going to be situational. I, I think there's going to be opportunities where we do want to <clears> use him as a 10, and I think there's going to be times when we do want to use him as a winger. And I think that it's all going to be about, again – uh, and not to cop out, but it's all going to be about who's healthy and who else is available. Yeah. I just, I, it seems to upset people when I suggest to play him as a 10. So I say play him as a 10. So uh, I don't, I know we're not going to get to a lot of these other ones. So let me wrap up another, let me wrap up another question and put this in here real fast. Um, Paxton Pomical, do you think he could take the role of a number 10? Cause you want the, you want, uh, you don't feel like there's another player in the pool to, to take that 10 piece. A lot of people, especially Dallas fans, are comparing Pomical to, to Ladero with both his work, eth- uh, work ethic off the ball as well as uh, his ability on the ball. There's well, a lot yeah. of similarities statistically. What do you think about using him in that role? I mean, I don't know. Like, I'd have to see it more. <laughs> right? I mean, no, that's, a, I, I, that's fair. In theory, it sounds great. If he's a great number 10, we should obviously play him as the number 10. But, like, I don't know if he is at the international level or not. Like, we just have to see it more. <laughs> I think it's certainly worth experimenting with, and I think uh, 3G certainly will. Yeah. Uh, the other, okay, the second part of this question was, moreover, which MLS player is poised to make the jump to the United States men's national team and stay there? 
Nobody who's made a debut already allowed. That's a great question. Uh, I got an answer. I did too. Okay, go. Uh, I don't know why, but I want to say Jackson Ewell. Oh, that's a really good one. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, so San Jose fans are going to love you this week. So I talked about there not being a, a, a capable ball winner. He might be one that could turn into a ball winner. Mm-hmm. He covers a lot of ground out there. I don't think he's a traditional ball winner right now, but I think that he's someone that could turn into a number six. He doesn't do a lot of tackling as of right now, no. But but he uh, could be a Michael Bradley six, right? Um, and and do those recoveries recover. and put yeah. and you know uh, and, and kind of put push players in different directions and cut off passing lanes and stuff. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so mine is Ryan Hollingshead. Oh, I should have known. Well, I, I look, should have known. Look, look, at this point in time, I, and I wasn't going to call you out for him being left off the all-star team, but I think he's legitimately one of the best left backs right now in MLS. All right. And well, everything that he's doing right now is exactly what you what the U.S. needs from a left back. Okay. Well, he's 28. Yeah, I, I, okay. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just throwing that out there. I was. I was. At least he keeps the the. the, the I mean, Chris Gloucester is not going. Like the everybody that's that's <laughs> tweeting at the U.S. Men's National Team Twitter handle and on Facebook going, "Why isn't Chris Chris Gloucester playing yet?" Chris Gloucester doesn't even have a team, a club team right now. I mean, yeah. the guy's trying to figure out whether or not he's going to get transferred uh, to the Netherlands, which you know I hope he goes to PSV, or if he's going to stay in in Germany. I. I Look, he's trying to sort out his club team. There's right. probably right. not right. a likelihood. Do you want to continue to put Tim Ream out there, who was absolutely exposed in Mexico? Look, Tim Ream's really good within a specific context. You need another option. I think Ryan Hollingshead is probably the best alternate Ryan option because Daniel Lovitz isn't it. For president. You know we like Ryan Hollingshead here. I didn't really consider him, honestly. Has he never capped? Has he never He's featured? not capped, no. Well, yeah, dude, 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 just to, until until Dallas ran out of left back options, they weren't he, even going to use. They them, weren't yeah. even going to use them. All right. Well, we love Ryan Hollinshead here. You know what, Ryan Hollinshead, you can go on my All Star team instead of some other guy. I'll let you fight whoever you want for that place. I like you. Um, all right, that's all we got time for. Uh, <clears throat> sorry if we did not get to your question this week. Uh, we will try to move. There are some good ones that deserve longer answers, so we'll try to move them the next week. I think. Seems yeah, right. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can uh, Thanks to my co-host, Harrison. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. Uh, you can find uh, our website uh, at Analysis Evolved is our Twitter handle. Uh, be sure to tune in. Well, this won't probably be out by tomorrow, but we're going to do some more of those bar graphs this week on Twitter that Dummy Run made that were so hip. They've got some new features on them already. Um, so, so be sure to, to follow our Twitter and check those out. Uh, visit the website www.americansocceranalysis.com. Uh, our guy uh, Choik just put up a uh, really thorough, uh, incredibly impeccably researched opposition research to Los Angeles Football Club uh, that's extremely interesting to read. Um, I, I really enjoyed editing this one for him. Um, you should go check it out. He's, he's, he's pretty smart about this kind of thing, and it really offers some insight into how this, uh, this, uh, this incredible soccer machine functions um, and, and how it might be stopped. Um, so, so be sure to check that out. Uh, am I missing anything any other business, Harrison? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, so that that is it. Until then, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Until then, enjoy being a World Cup champion soccer.
Listen to what you say 